I was at a conference uh, early 2019 and one of the speakers said the most expensive thing in this world is the cost of not knowing. And it really stuck with me. You know what I'm saying? In this society, the not knowing is an excuse because if you want to know something, the information is available. You can't say, I don't know how to run ads. I'll booze all over your timeline. You can't say, I don't know how to invest. There's plenty of educators and there's plenty of courses. The question is, are you willing to put in the work to learn a skill set that can be transformative to your life? Welcome to the Uncensored Show with your host, George Atchampal, where we share the mindset, tips, tools, strategies, and stories on how to use your money to do more of what you love and what you were called to do. Money is like gas on a road trip. Sure, you need it to get where you're going, but you're not going on a tour of gas stations. Money fuels your journey. The question is, what's yours? Live life uncensored. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Uncensored Podcast. And on today's episode, we get a chance to sit down with one of the most renowned and well-known educators, Michael Bonner. Um, If you've ever watched The Ellen Show, there's a chance where you may have caught the episode where Ellen flew him and his students out because he was doing some of the most innovative and still is innovative and engaging strategies and techniques to help his students learn, make them motivated, inspire them, and all things in between. There's not many educators like Michael. And when I was in school, I wish I had a teacher like Michael. And one of the things that I really like about this episode is even though he's an educator, he emphasizes the importance of always being a lifelong student while strategically still putting a system in place so that you can make sure that you are also maximizing and executing on the information that you learn. We also get to talk about how educators who are normally perceived as folks who don't have an opportunity to make a lot of money in their profession, how you can change that narrative and use your educational platform to make a six-figure career. So this was a gem of an episode. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. So check it out for yourself and let me know what you think. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Uncensored Podcast. Uh, Today, we got a really, really special guest on. Uh, You know, I really appreciate him because every time he catches an episode, he lets me know uh, when he appreciates it. And as a content creator, we always appreciate that because, you know, you're creating this stuff, hoping that it's valuable, hoping that people like what you're doing. And he goes the extra mile to shoot me a text or, you know, let me know that he found value in episodes. So it was a pleasure to, you know, make it full circle um, and have him on the podcast. We get a chance to have kind of a few text exchanges. I say at this point, at least a few times a month, just on different topics, uh, primarily around investing and just good stuff like that. So to have him on the show today, really is just a full circle opportunity to have a conversation with a like-minded brother uh, where I'm all, where I always welcome the opportunity to connect with. So uh, with no further ado, Michael Bonner, welcome to the show, brother. How are you? Hey, man, listen, I listen to your podcast in the car, in the shower, so the fact that I'm <laughs> on this right now, like I'm elated and I can't wait to share it with my students, man. So shout out to you as a black man creating black magic out here. Hey, man, black man creating black magic. I love that. I love that. I might have to go on a shirt. But we might have a collection just for my guy. Um, but nah, man, again, thank you for coming on the show. And, uh, you know, I wanted to just for the shrinking population, for the folks who don't yet quite, you know, yet know who you are. I mean, obviously you've been featured on the Ellen. As a matter of fact, I knew you before I knew you. Um, so I was like, I saw, I can't remember. I don't, I don't think I saw the Ellen piece originally. I, I think it was like a, just a regular news segment or something that somebody had shared. And I was so inspired. Cause I was like, man, if I was in school and there was a teacher that was that engaged, cool. Cause that's the other thing, right? Like I feel like when we were in school, like, people can't be what they can't see. Right. And so I think it's important for like black men to be able to find a space in education so that those young men can be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like a ball is not the only route, you know what I'm saying? Sports isn't the only route. Entertainment isn't the only route. Like they see someone, they see themselves in, you know, who's teaching them. And now when I saw what you do your thing and like all the cool stuff you were doing with your students, I was like, man, that's dope. And I didn't know who you were then. That was years ago, years ago. 
And I just actually, believe it or not, I just realized that now, like, yeah, that like, that that was you. I was like, yo, that was the cool guy who had all the, the handshakes. <laughs> I was like, that's that guy. Um, so really full circle moment. But, you know, typically, you know, teaching or being an educator is not necessarily this glorified, you know, profession. So I'm just curious, like how you decided to go about getting into this profession, what inspired you to do it and how you got here? So for me, I grew up in a small area called Poquimans County, North Carolina, near OBX Outer Beach. Um, okay. And just like everybody else, you know, the hood was a street, a street over from my spot. We lived on one street and then the next street over was literally middle class in regards to salary. And just like everyone else, I wanted to be in the NBA. Um, family was big inside of sports. So I had a Division One scholarship to Winston-Salem for basketball. Got there in 08. I majored in psychology, but I found out, yo, I don't really like talking to adults for more than two, three hours out of the day, unless we get in a bag for it, right? Yeah. So now it's to the point, at, at that point in time, I remember we would go to schools and do read-alouds with children, man. And and I'm probably, I'm about 6'5", but I'm probably the shorter one on my team. And when, bro, when we will walk in, the responses on the kids' faces would be like, yo, who are these black? Like, they don't even look real. Like, look at them, like, right? And I'm just like, yo, that's that feeling is different. You can't buy that feeling. You can't find that everywhere. So I decided to switch my major to elementary education, man. And ever since then, um, I've been rocking and rolling. Um, I found out it's really hard for teachers to stay inside of the profession. One, because it is an underpaid profession. Um, that could be because we live in a patriarchal society and it's dominated by women. So, you know, they don't get the necessary respect in regards to pay as they should. Um, and the other, a lot of factors as well, man, having them forcing them, teaching things to students and knowing goodness well, them kids are not interested in the content and things that are come across in the class. So right. um, outside of all of that, I see that happening. But for me, I just try to take a different approach. Um, I try to make sure that I, you know, show my kids that there is so much money out here to be made that, you know, your wealth and passion can be connected together. Now, how can you take the information I'm teaching today, whether it's about the Civil War or whether it's about how to, you know, you figure out a character trait for a student, how can you take that and apply it in your own life and then ultimately create your own business? That's what my methodology has been in the past three years and it's been highly effective. I love that. I love that. I mean, yeah, you're one of the most, you know, uh, notable teachers, you know, educators in the space, right? So obviously what you're doing is working and I think it's transferable to adults, right? One, one quote that I heard um, several years ago that really resonated with me is who you serve does not have to be who pays you. Right. And when you understand that, when you understand that my objective is to provide value, to show up. And because I'm providing value, other people will engage with that value and I can get the bag from wherever I want. Not to say that you can't monetize in all types of ways, but when you go into that with that mindset, you lose the limiting belief that if there's not a clear cut path, to get compensated for the thing that I'm most passionate about, you know, if I'm valuable enough, people are going to pay attention. And if people pay attention, somebody's willing to stroke a check. Right. And I think you're living, I think you're living proof of that. Right. Like you're also a speaker. Right. So like, you know, well, maybe we'll talk more about like, you know, the other things that you do, but you're, you're a speaker, right. And you're able to now secure, you know, opportunities because of how you show up in the classroom, right? You're not a speaker just because you're a really cool guy. You're a speaker because you're really valuable at what you do professionally. And that becomes transferable when people want to stroke a check to learn from you. Is that a fair assessment? That is definitely a fair assessment. I've, I've heard, I think Maya was talking about it on her episode with you. And I've heard you mention it a couple of times on the gyms you drop on Twitter and Instagram. It is so true. The value that you bring is absolutely amazing. It can definitely affect the size of your check, right? You just have to figure out and tap in what do you actually bring to the table. So for me, yes, I'm a charismatic guy, but when I first got into the speaking realm, probably three years ago, um, I just had a lot of high energy, a young teacher in the profession, but I had all the intangibles. I understood that I'm a student at the end of the day. I understood that I can learn any new skill or anything can be added into my toolbox if I took the time to study it. So I decided to take a step back and understand, yes, you're a new teacher here, but what value, again, can you bring to yourself so people can continue to write you a check? And right. I've done almost 100 and, um, God, mercy me, I've probably done 155 speeches in three years um, wow. in regards to education. And even with COVID-19 still going on, most of them have been rescheduled. Um, no, a, a portion of them have been rescheduled, but I'm still doing speeches virtually, man. And, and that speaks to what you were saying. If you can bring something to the table that people can learn from, that people can become inspired from, that people can connect to. People will pay whatever. Companies will pay whatever to partner with you. 
And I hope people can really grasp that and understanding what can you do to bring value to somebody. And if you don't know, it's okay to take a step back and research mm-hmm. that and figure out what do you need to bring to the table. 100%. Awesome. So, you know, me not being in that, you know, in the education space from, from a youth standpoint, right? Obviously, I do it, you know, to adults. And to your point, maybe I might have more fun if I did it for the kids. But what is your, what is your secret uh, for engaging the youth, right? Because one of the things I do hear, maybe this is a misconception, is that it's not easy, right? Maybe it's the tension span, maybe it's a variety of factors with home life. So what is your sauce for like, helping kids stay engaged in the things that you are educating them on? So it's a mixture of a lot of things. And even down to just to the physiological nature of human beings, the brain learns by doing, not just listening. Right. So adults, I know we can identify with that because even though we love being virtual on Zoom, at some point after an hour, you know, you feel yourself (laughs) moving, you check your phone, you know what I'm saying? So I try to make sure that whatever I'm doing, I get them up at least moving, whether in person or virtually. Um, that we're doing different things instead of me just talking to them. Yo, hop over to the, click this link. There's a game we're about to do for the next five, 10 minutes. You want a team with such and such, whoever wins gets this, like creating that battle. And then also using contemporary subjects, things that are happening right now for them to understand what's going on. Trump paid $750 in taxes in 2016, 2017. I talked to my sixth graders about that today. How is he doing that? How are we paying more taxes than him? And we had the conversation of a business. Okay, who has an idea? Oh. I have an idea, Mr. Barney. In fact, you know, I'll be creating dance videos and tutorials with my friends on YouTube. Oh, we can monetize off of that. You can create an S-Corp. What's an right. S-Corp? I know somebody that you could talk to named George, right? So it just ah, finding yeah. things that they are connected to and making sure that I'm keeping their brains going is truly the sauce. The issue is, is that teachers don't understand. In order to understand what a child is interested in and what an adult is interested in, you have to understand cultural competency. Everybody mm-hmm. isn't going to be interested in the same thing. So the teachers that can figure that out, presenters that can figure it out, have a stronger chance of connecting with their audience and with their students or with whoever you're serving because you understand what's going on within that particular community. And I think that is what gives me the advantage because I'm humble enough to say, I don't know, hey kids, help me figure this out. And then I figure it out and I boss up on them. That's, that's really is as simple as it can get, yeah. I promise. You know, and that's, and that's so smart and so simple, right? It's like, instead of me walking in as the big bad all-knowing adult, let me ask my students who are immersed in that culture, or immersed in the things they care about. Hey, what's going on? Like, what do you want to know? Like, and then once you know, you can use your skill set to, to, to master it. And that's genius. And, and I think honestly, that's humility. Yeah. And, and, and even as adults, right. Because I, you know, I'm definitely a teacher, but it's like one of the things under the umbrella. And I want everybody to listen to the podcast, understand that you're still a teacher. I mean, a student as well. You're still in the process of learning as well. Mm-hmm. And once you can put your pride to the side and ask for help and go search for it in the information age, you'll make your life a little bit easier. George, you know, I will hit you up. and ask. We had a whole financial consulting meeting. Like, I will hit you up and ask because yeah. I'm the type of person that loves to execute. And I think once we understand how quickly can we execute and how quickly can we learn what we need to apply, it makes life just a little bit easier, man. That's super cool. I love that. I love that. So I feel like you have a front row seat uh, to the future leaders of our country. And uh, what, what a treat for, for our society and for them to be educated by someone who is deeply passionate uh, about making sure that they have a meaningful future. So my question for you is, what are you most excited about for our future um, from what you're seeing in the youth today? They see the hypocrisy in our world. They see how they tell we tell them to follow the rules in school, but when they look on social media and see politicians undercutting each other, and when they see so much dysfunction happening in society, they're taking a step back and asking, what kind of value and what kind of morality am I going to bring to the world? And I love it because one of the most dangerous questions that teachers don't like to get asked a lot of times is why, or why should I do this? Mm. And for me, I don't take that as an offense. I take it as that child is critically thinking on why should I give my time and energy to this subject and topic. So our generation is really questioning and challenging everything that's going on. And if you ask me, that's the best thing that can happen. That's how you tear down homophobia. That's how you tear down racism. That's how you tear down a lot of dysfunction because you have critical thinkers within that space. And that is why I'm so glad that if you look now, there's a lot of young stars, bro, Ryan, um, who's on YouTube. There's other kids that are utilizing social media and building their own brands and businesses. Ryan made, 20, Ryan made $26 million last year doing science experiments on YouTube, bro, and he doesn't have a science degree. He's still in like fourth grade. So this generation is like really beginning to boss up. I met a girl not too long ago in November who had her own lip gloss business in her school. 
Like they, you can see the brilliance in their eyes and their, they, because they have social media and the internet in front of them and you mess trying to give them the right adult or right resource, man, it's going to be a beautiful thing. And that's what we're seeing right now. Like uh, with the Trump rally, uh, how the, yeah. the teenagers pranked them using TikTok. <laughs> Yeah, right. It's, that it's is crazy. That's what made twenty six million doing. Million. I I think I need to um I think I need to get in a different profession, man. I need to start doing uh, <laughs> doing, uh YouTube videos, man, and experiments. Now that's that's, that's amazing, bro. Yeah, bro. Now that's that's amazing. Value. That's amazing. That is super amazing. What's going on, guys? And welcome to another episode of Fix Your Financial Fridays, where each and every Friday we help you fix at least one thing as it relates to your finances, right? Now we are at that, the end of the year, the point where people throw in the towel, the holidays around the corner, you know, you're at that point where if you haven't hit your goals yet, you're kind of like, you know what? 2020 was already a poop show. (laughs) <laughs> so why don't I just start fresh from the top of the year? Uh, but what I encourage you to do is take this time to lay the foundation, tie up any loose ends so that you can leave any financial trauma and drama behind in 2020. Right. Create a Q4 game plan to identify how you're going to tackle and absolutely dominate your financial goals for the remainder of the year, right? Don't give in, don't throw in the towel, put pen to paper and identify at least one to three things that you can do before the year is out that will put you in a much better financial position. All right, guys, I'm very curious to know what the what you decide. So feel free to leave a review on this episode. And even in that review, tell me, hey, look, I listened to this episode and because of this, I was able to decide X, Y, and Z. And that can be your declaration for how you're going to close out the year. If you want if you don't want to do that because you're too busy leaving a stellar review on how much you enjoy the show, then all you have to do is uh, shoot me a direct message on Instagram, comment on one of the videos, or head over to georgeatchampong.com, check out the podcast page, and there's a way for you to share uh, your updates and feedback there. So thank you guys so much uh, for tuning into this segment, and I can't wait to see your Q4 money game plan. So basically what you're saying is the youth have figured out that we don't have to abide by the status quo, that we are empowered to be able to chart our own territory, you know, where even when now, I mean, our generation is breaking out of it, but like when we were younger, we still heard things like, oh, that's not a real job, right? We still heard that, right? When we, we were younger. Now, that is not, we, we can't say that to anybody. And there's, there's literally nothing you can't do if you're passionate about it and become great at it that you can't get compensated for. So that's amazing. That's super amazing and empowering to know that that's, that's what you see as well being on the front lines of these mm-hmm. children. That's, that's super cool. Um, so what would you say, what would you say is one of the, and you might've already touched on this in some way, but like, one of the major issues with our current educational infrastructure, right? And like, what can we do to improve it at scale? Cause obviously we got pockets of people like Michael, right? Like who are that spark and, you know, are able to really ignite something in these students, but probably at large, there's still a lot of change that needs to happen. So what do you see as some kind of core issues and challenges with the current educational infrastructure as it is today? Uh, one hour point to the curriculum. Um, first thing off the back of my mind, I don't think people understand <laughs> that the education system is nothing but a reinforcer. And if you look around, the dysfunction that we see in society, from gender bias to racism to homophobia, was all reinforced by the education system. There are teachers still teaching that Christopher Columbus discovered America. That is not true, right? right. So when you send somebody through that type of system for 12 years and you teach them how to be a worker instead of an owner, Mm-hmm. You have all the craziness that's going on right now. So you see a lot of schools starting to buck up against that, saying that, hey, with our curriculum, where's the representation at, right? It, just saying that African-American history or, you know, Hispanic Heritage Month, it, everybody's culture is involved in every facet of history. How can we expand that? Because Miriam Wright Elderman said that quote that you said, mm-hmm. you can't be what you can't see, right? So 
I think that's extremely important. We got to overhaul the curriculum. We definitely have to look at how we're treating our students. Once again, the education system is a reinforcer of what's going on in society. Black students are suspended more inside the public education system. Black students are referred more to special education um, programs. Like it's the same thing just like in society. So that's showing me that there's some type of disconnect that's happening here. It's not that our kids can't learn. What are we putting in front of them? And what are we forcing them? We're trying to get them to learn. Um, mm -hmm. And then last and most importantly, man, for me, I think one of the things that we can really change is, like I alluded to earlier, how can you get them to start doing what they love now and stop asking them, what do you want to be when you get older? Like they have a full advantage to take care of it right now. An LLC costs $125 or $170 based upon which state you're in. They can monetize and learn how to build and establish their own right now in school. And that's why I go so hard with it and keep that message going. Because imagine if you would have had, you know, that access to skills or even that type of conversation early on. Right. Like I have you learned, learned the ins and outs of stocks in elementary school, right? Like right. Warren Buffett who? Right. Right. And that's um, why I'm shifting it. So even though I teach reading, you know, with my reading class, because um, I was chatting with Ian about this, it's going to be really cool. And I'm going to definitely hit you up as well. Uh, I teach reading, but there's going to be facets in my class that they're working on. So right now they're building their own podcast where they're going to have their own merchandise and they're going to have to get up there and record and lead it. And I'm going to sit in the back and fund it. Right. Um, and then there's an application called Rapunzel, which will allow students to use fake money and they compete against each other to see who can have the most money at the end of the month using the stock market metrics. Right. So for example, Ty individuals like yourself in yeah we're doing reading but yes reading is a side of looking at the analyst charts reading is a side of looking at the portfolio and the average return for a year to year basis like school should be the place where they get the basic skills and then figure out yo how can i apply this everywhere i love that so that is where i'm i'm not just ramble right in but it's just it's something no nah, i mean i love it i hear the passion that's 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 yeah. ingenious i love that you know because one of the things and this is when I, first, when I first started my career i didn't have a job long i know i wasn't probably cut out for it um, at that time, or maybe I just didn't have the right job. But one of the things I, I kind of reverse engineer, I was like, okay, if I look at my dream job or my dream career, and I can, you can go online, even back then, you could go online and see what the qualifications were, right? It's like, what is it that allows this person to be able to get this job? So my thought process was at the time, well, why don't I just start learning this stuff now, right? Like time is going to fly. Like, why don't I just go ahead and to your point with self-education being much more prominent, all you have to do is reverse engineer the outcome, right? And so it's like, hey, look, I want to be this. Let me model success. Let me look at the requirements. Let me do this. And you can literally, you know, chart your path. You don't have to wait for someone to approve you. And I just love that in our current state, in our current society, students, us, adults, everyone, all we got to do is go to our good old friend, Google, Yahoo, I mean, uh, YouTube, and just search away, right? Um, and learn and, and, and be a constant. I still, like, there's plenty of people who probably look at me on some, in some regard as an expert, but I, I literally, to this day, still invest in courses and programs and personal development um, because there's just so much value. And I was at a conference uh, early 2019, and the, one of the speakers said, the most expensive thing in this world is the cost of not knowing, right? <laughs> and it really stuck with me. You know what I'm saying? In, in this society, the not knowing is an excuse because if you want to know something, the information is available. You can't say, I don't know how to run ads. I'll booze all over your timeline. You can't say, I don't know how to invest. There's plenty of educators and there's plenty of courses. The question is, are you willing to put in the work to learn a skill set that can be transformative to your life, right? And so, and man, I just, I love that that's the reality for today's youth. Yeah, and you, you hit so many great points on that. And honestly, even personally speaking in regards to finances, right? You talk about being a student. For me, I remember in March when the market stuff was crashing, I heard from T.I. in a Breakfast Club interview, I caught it, I never learned in school, but he said in two minutes, he said that the working class, we save for flat tires and refrigerator, but the wealthy wait for the market to crash or real estate bubble to pop. And that's when they go in and invest when it's low. So when March was happening, I was sitting on a good amount of cash waiting to invest because I've been working and using those financial skills, um, but I didn't know how and I didn't know where. <laughs> So I had to yeah. invest inside of Stock Club with Ian Dunlap. Then I came across your page and then earn your leisure, right? And because of the access to the information and gems that you all drop on a daily basis, my net worth literally grew by a third just by listening to the little things that you all dropped through that self-education. 
and, and it is because you know when you're and think about it even during COVID-19 when things are being cut back funding is being cut back but my account wouldn't be where it's at if it was for individuals like yourself dropping the information in jewels and that's why I hope people do not get uh, analysis paralysis, what they call it. They have so much information that they have that you're not even acting on it. Mm. You know what? That was an original question, but that's a, actually a great segue. So being an educator, it's literally your job to pour information into students, right? And, and with the goal of them being able to take that, apply that, and ultimately have a new tool in their tool belt. Now, this is, can be applicable for adults or whomever, but as an educator, what is kind of your rule of thumb or thought process? Because you always want to be a student, but how do you learn, but also still make sure you're prioritizing execution, right? Because I think it's very easy to just think that the learning is the doing, right? Like I, I read 10, 10 pages today. Great. Right. So how do you, what's your kind of your, your thought process for just making sure that you're prioritizing execution and not just becoming uh, you know, a lifelong learner who never does anything with the information. So for me, honestly, I, my schedule is I work from nine to nine to two is virtual. Normally when we're back in school, eight to four, and then after four o'clock, I'm allotting my time to my business and everything I've been taking in. Right. So if you are talking about, you know, we should make sure that we look at a company like Tesla and look at the reports and not get caught up in the hype and don't worry about the stock split. I'm over here doing research. Well, when did they split the stock before? How did the company do? And I'm looking at it. And then what I would do is I'll take a first small step. I'll do it with some type of paper money. You know, Think or Swim can let you do that with TD yep. Ameritrade. And then when I see some type of progress there, then I'll dive deeper into it. What I make sure I do in regards to execution is I don't hop into something if I don't fully understand it and I can't explain it to somebody. In my class, I know my kids don't get it. If you can't explain it, if you can't teach it, you probably don't understand it, right? So it's the same concept with me. So before I do or make any step, I try to make sure I can teach it first. And then I try to do it with something that's not going to bring as much risk, such as paper money. And once I fully, excuse me, once I fully understand that, then I bring in, you know, more assets and money to try to dive into the market or into real estate or whatever the case may be. Now, try to, if they call it gradual release of responsibility, like you gradually get into it, not just dive straight into it. Right. No, I, I, I love that. And to your point, I'm glad you put teaching at the forefront because most people say, well, I don't want to be an expert. Why, don't wanna, why would I want to teach it? The, why, the reason why you'd want to teach it is because that validates that you actually have a full comprehension of the concept, right? Because if you can, it's easy. You know, this is what my, my kind of one gripe of personal finance experts, right? I paid off $100,000 in debt and you can too. Okay. You did that. We don't know the full story. We don't know the background context. That's amazing. I'm excited for you. But show me, like, show me 10 people that you can help do that. Right. Because personal finance is indeed that is personal. Right. So I only bring that up to say that's a very important thing that when you're able to teach it and I think the extension of that and that student or that person, well, everybody's a student, that student can comprehend it. Then you know that you actually know it. Because one thing to like, you, like stumble into something and be like, oh, well, it worked and I, I got a bag off of it. OK, do it again. And not only can you do it again, is, is it transferable to the point where someone else can do it and repeat it? That's when you know you got something. So I love that you said that because most people wouldn't think that. They would just think that maybe the paper money aspect, maybe the learning, but they wouldn't think teaching, especially if they're not trying to quote unquote coach or make money from it, they wouldn't think that. But I love that as an actual core mechanism for fully grasping the knowledge of it, right? I love that. Yeah, I mean, that happened to me probably three weeks ago. My father, well, before Apple stock split, he saw it in the news. My father contacted me. Now, I didn't, oh my gosh, the summer, because of COVID-19, I literally, we at home, I dove straight into Market Mondays, catching your episodes every week, just really getting a hold of my finances. My father was like, yeah, I think I want to pick up some Apple stock. And I knew for me, the first thing was, you know, dad, maybe you don't need an Apple stock. Maybe you need an index fund. What do you mean an index fund? Son? Well, the index fund has a bunch of good companies that are represented within the fund that you can invest in every month. Like I was able to teach that to him. my students the same thing the other day. I could send you the screenshot. And I think that's what made me understand before you dive into anything, can you properly explain it to somebody so it can mm -hmm. make sense and make sense? <laughs> right. Double on Tiger. I love that. I love that. All right. So being an educator, I'm almost, I'm almost certain like, you, you know, you know, me being in, you know, the finance space and serving adults, right? Like our claim to fame is testimonials, right? And unfortunately in my industry, I can't really publicize testimonials because then they tie back to the market and like whatever, but most people, right? Whether you're a coach, consultant, whatever, your marker of success is, well, this is what people are saying about me. So my question to you 
being an educator and impacting the youth specifically, can you think back to a, a notable experience that really kind of shifted a paradigm for you around like, man, like this is why I do this or completely even shifted how you do what you do um, as an educator? Man, so there's so many stories, Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> there's so many stories, but I know for me, the probably the one that sticks out the most in my mind is that um, my third year of teaching, I was ready to quit. Um, teaching in a marginalized school in those type of communities is tough. Um, when they don't have the resources there, the students don't have the resources, the family are lacking the resources, you know, it makes it really, really difficult. And that next year, I just remember I was gonna go in, Maya Angelou has this quote that says that she doesn't just wanna thrive, but she wants, she doesn't just wanna survive, but she wants to thrive and to do so with compassion, humor, and love, right? Um, and that third year was rough, man. My mother was sick. I, I just initiated for my, uh, the separation inside of my divorce. It was crazy, crazy toxic, crazy dysfunctional. Um, and that year, man, I said, if I'm going to do this, if I'm really going to live life, um, I really need to do this with all of my heart. Because people fail to recognize in any profession that you're in, the state of your mental and emotional health will affect the environment around you. If you're not in a good space of good energy, you're not going to produce good quality work. And it was nice. showing up in my classroom. So when I went back and I, you know, the metacognition thought about how I was thinking, switched up my methods, uh, man, that year completely took off. And that's the year that my students, Ellen, flew the kids out for their first time ever on the airplane, first time leaving the state of North Carolina, 18 second graders going to California for the first time for a week, staying in a hotel where everything was paid for and to see the smiles in their faces and to see the type of conversations we were having and to see how we were talking about investing and money and living and following your dreams. And just, I have pictures of the smiles in their face. And that's something you just really can't take away from me. And once you taste something different like that, it makes you go a little bit harder. Like once you can see some type of fruit from your success or see something pay off that you've been going at for a long period of time. Yeah. And for me, it was self-development. It makes you want to keep going and attacking that. And I think once again, back to your first question, that's why I'm able to bring so much value in education because I've taught in some of the toughest schools. I now teach at one of the best schools in the world. And I know how it feels to want to give up in education. And I also know how to figure out how to reach the children and get them motivated to learn. Um, and that's the best way that I can explain it, man. It was that particular moment in California um, and seeing them walk out on stage and for them to be able to point back to that on YouTube or with their friends at any point in time um, is a powerful moment in their life. It speaks volumes for me. No, nah, that's, that's super dope, man. And, you know, one thing it makes me think about, and I don't, I don't know the full context of every aspect of your story, but so how did people catch wind of the things were you doing? Were you, were you intentional? Like, Hey, look, I want to show a different narrative and I'm going to document this. And people were seeing it. Was it just word around school spread? And someone said, Hey, look, we y'all got to come check this guy out. Cause I'm, I'm kind of want to know like how the world came to know about you, right. And the way you were doing things. So I taught a reading lesson wrong one day in second grade, like two out of 20 kids passed. And most of the time what happens is teachers hate to say that they're actually the ones that were wrong. I was wrong at their given scenario. And I told my kids, yo, if 14 of you pass this test, I'll make you a music video. I'll let you rap the lyrics to the content that we've learned. I'll film it myself, put it in slow motion, whatever. Um, and they looked at me like, bet, we got you, Mr. Bonner. So I did that on a Friday. I posted on Facebook um, and Instagram. And within a, an hour, it had like a thousand shares on Facebook. Next thing I know, the local news got involved. And then probably a month or so later, the Ellen DeGeneres show reached out. And then after her first show episode, I went up there. That's when the world got exposed to it. Um, and I eventually started speaking to educational consulting about six or seven months later. Um, and I love it personally because for me, I am a teacher, but I have so much other stuff going on. Yeah. And I like laying under, I like going in the radar like that um, because we know sometimes people can get caught up in the extra. Um, but I, I like it. That's how the world got introduced to me basically through that little video. Um, and it's definitely on YouTube. It's pretty funny. And it was cute, but it was effective. Oh, yeah. You have to send me, you have to text me that. I, I don't think I, I saw that video. That's, that's cool. Um, so if, a, if an educator is listening to this right now and they're like, you know, and they're at that point, right. And they, man, this ain't for me. I can't make no money in this, in this thing. It's hard for me to have an impact. What would you say to that educator who's on the brink or teetering between, you know what, I'm going to stick this out. I'm going to see this through. I'm going to continue to try to make the change that, that I thought I was going to be able to make in this space. And on, in, when they're in between that and quitting, what do you say to that educator? Okay. So the first thing is, I know you're not making a lot of money, but please know there are teachers inside of the profession that are making six figures up to a million dollars 
by creating their own LLC or S Corp and selling their own products and monetizing their lesson plans. So that's that's a false narrative around the United States of America. And if you listen to this podcast, you should listen to more episodes to learn how to do that. Um, number two, there's this quote that sticks with me. Uh, well, yeah, this quote that sticks with me that says, passion is a combination of love and anger. Um, and for me, I love my students to the, to the very core of my being, um, but also I'm angry about how they are treated inside of school systems. I'm angry about how they will be treated once they go into society. I'm angry about the different types of concepts and things that are placed around them that sort of chokes the life out of them and doesn't give them a fair shot. I mix that anger with love and allow that to be the, the firepower behind my passion. Um, and sometimes you have to take a step back and figure out, yo, what are you truly passionate about? And the last thing for anybody that's listening, yo, it's okay to keep your resume updated and look for <laughs> someplace somewhere else. You know, yeah. sometimes you're valued in another place more than you are where you're at right now. And it's okay to switch. A lot of teachers feel bad because their students may feel bad that they left, but um, sometimes you need to make that move to protect your mental and emotional health. There's an old saying that says it's not about how much you make, it's about how much you keep. And if I were to ask most people what their biggest bill is, they might say their mortgage, their rent, their car payment, or maybe daycare. The reality is your biggest expense is taxes. And that's exactly why through my firm, we created a tax savvy strategy to be able to help our business owners save thousands in taxes and redirect that money to help them build wealth. So if you want to learn more about how we use wealthy tax saving strategies with our clients to help them avoid taxes legally and redirect that money towards building wealth, then click the link in the show notes to learn a little bit more. Now, I love that. That's, that's, that's great feedback. And so, as you mentioned, um, you know, privately, like we've had conversations about, about money, dropping some real, real bags in the market and just some of the things from a, from a lifestyle perspective through our smart decisions that, that we ultimately intend to do just what, two days ago, right? Uh, about something we, we, we have our eyes on. Um, so my question to you um, is from a personal finance perspective, right? As a teacher, uh, what are some ways that you feel like teachers can level up financially? I know you briefly touched on LLC, sell your products. Like, expound a little bit upon, upon like how you did it. Because again, I'm not going to disclose any numbers, but you're doing well for yourself. Obviously, we've had conversations. So, like, your brother. How, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, give you, I give you official cosign, right? Yeah, um, you do, you're doing well for yourself, man. Um, it, it, period. Look, just because here's the thing, right? Here's the beautiful part about what I do, and here's. Most people might think that I love what I do because of the money I make. They might, they might think that I love what I do because of the people I get to work with, which is all, which are all true variables. But what I really love most about what I do is it really gave me a behind the scenes look at what not to do. Right. And what to do on how to accelerate my wealth. Right. And because of that, I have just like a doctor, right? You can go into a doctor's office and you might be nervous to say you got some type of disease or sickness, or whatever. That doctor's heard everything. He's seen everything. She, he or she has seen everything. And so when I say a statement like he's doing well for himself, I can say that rooted in fact, because I've talked to, seen, helped, educated thousands of people in this space. So not only as an educator are you doing well, but you're in the top percentile not just as a person of color, are you doing well, but period, you are doing well for yourself. And so I want you to know the things that you've been doing, um, the investments that you've made in yourself have paid off. And if you ever wanted to know, if I want track of, am I ahead or behind, you're light years ahead of people in your same circumstance, in your same demographic, in your same age group, uh, you're very, very far ahead, right? So I say all that. Is this your show? Huh? Yeah, I'm about to say, because it's your show, I'll, I'll give the full detail, right? So yeah. before I had a business, y'all, um, before I went to the Ellen Show, I was actually, I taught myself how to take, even before that, my father always taught me how to hustle. We would wash cars every Saturday for two, three hours. And while he worked 40 hours out a week, he taught me how to work hard early on. So um, at that point in time in my life, I wasn't making a lot of money as a teacher. 33000 for the year, $1,800 after taxes. So I taught myself literally how to take pictures, senior portraits, weddings. I use YouTube. 
you can really reach out to people. I had a whole website and catalog. I was doing weddings. I was doing proms and bar mitzvahs, all different types of things. And what made it so interesting is that with that money, I automatically taught myself that I'm only going to live off the teacher salary and everything else supplemental, I'm going to save to make sure that I am taken care of. So for me, one of the best tips I can give out, number one, is budget. You have to tell your money where to go at. Your money is literally like soldiers in your army or bullets within your gun. If you're just spraying your gun, shooting everywhere, and it's not at a certain target, you're not going to be effective. Same thing inside of a war. If you're attacking people all over the place, don't have a specific uh, objective, you're not going to win the war. So right. by me doing that for about two years, I was living off the $1,800 per month, um, and I was saving all the money from photography. When the Ellen moment happened, this is a crazy thing, bro. They paid for the flight and the hotel to go to California. I got there January the 5th, 2017. They actually ended up extending my stay there for two or three days because something happened with the show and in some way it was arranged with producers. So I had to stay in California just a little bit longer. If I did not have the extra supplemental income, I would have been in California starving, <laughs> staying downtown L.A., because I was just a teacher, right? Yeah. So that is another lesson for people. After you learn how to budget and you learn how to get some extra supplemental income to fund your emergency account, um, then you'll be able to make sure that you're able to handle yourself when those tough times do come. So because I taught myself how to budget back then and to live only on my teacher's salary now, when those $10,000 and $20,000 checks and all those things start to come in, it was the same concept. I made sure I paid right. my taxes, but I'm putting it in a place where I can invest it and I'm only living off of the teacher salary. So when COVID hit, I wasn't worried. The only thing I was worried about, how can I make my money grow for me because sitting in a bank account is not making any type of uh, sense right now. So right, yeah, budgeting right. man and, and supplemental income is the name of the game. Love that, love that. You know, I'm a big advocate of that. So now nah, uh, I think that's super cool, man. Now, sometimes, you know, at first I felt a little guilty saying this in, in, in the midst of like it being, you know, such tumultuous times in our society right now. And, you know, some folks are coming to the loss of, of COVID-19 um, and all sorts of things. Um, personally, I'm having a really great year. Um, and I'm very grateful for that. And I'm, and I, I'm not naive to the fact that that's not everybody's narrative. Um, so optimistically, uh, whether someone has had a great year or they're looking to close out the year, great. My question to you is, what are you still excited about um, as we go into this last quarter of 2020? I'm excited about looking at the potential of how can I adapt and grow even more. If you notice, if you look back at 2008, because I was here in Winston-Salem where I'm at right now, um, that's when Jeezy, the great, the recession album came out and it was slapping. Like, yeah. I'll never forget that. And I didn't know at that point in time, I didn't know anything about the stock market, but imagine this, bro. Apple was like $20 a share in September 2008. <gasps> And over the oh. right over the pet, and I took seven hundred dollars and bought an iPhone because I wanted to be cool on the basketball team. Had the girls looking at me because I would have had a newest phone. If I would have put it in the Apple stock, I would have twenty one thousand dollars today, just sitting there. Like I, if I never would have added more to it. But for me, I'm looking forward to the adapting piece because inside of COVID, you will notice that there has been a loss of things. I have been able to travel um, due to the speeches and stuff. So what other skills can I add to myself? So I've been looking at how can I become more dynamic? How can I become more tech savvy? I have a text messaging program now that I utilize um, to stay in touch with teachers across the world. Um, also, I'm learning how to build other skills into my repertoire that will make sure that my income doesn't go down. So I'm learning about option trading. I'm learning about having digital assets, which is something that you talk about with, I think it's called DARES, right? Mm -hmm. Or DARE, your acronym? DARES yeah, model. So, yep. mm -hmm. Yeah, the DARES model. So I've been, again, I've been listening and learning and trying to figure out how can I adapt and keep going? If you look at great companies, even since 2008, which is where I was going, um, over this 10-year period, great companies have adapted and they've grown. Airbnb, Uber, Tesla, uh, a lot of those companies started back in 2007, 2008, and look at them now. Um, that's because they adapted to the times. So I'm trying to make sure how can I adapt so if I never do a speech again, never write a book again, can I still generate that amount of money per year? Nah, I love that. That's smart. Always be a student, right? Practice what you preach. Yeah. That's amazing, man. And the, the, the last couple of questions I want to ask you, obviously, you know, number one, how can folks stay plugged in, get connected with you and just learn about all the wonderful things that you have going on right now? Okay. So they can follow me at Instagram. Uh, it's Michael Bonner underscore. Same thing on Twitter, Facebook, um, YouTube, and uh, definitely reach out and connect. If you ask me, I'm an everyday 
uh, individual who works, who's a teacher like everybody else, but I just took advantage of the tax system and the way this country is built to better my life and my family and to make sure I'm creating assets. So I'm not complaining about Trump paying $750 in 2016 because I know how he did it. Um, I'm trying to make sure that we're on the side of getting those tax breaks and those tax cuts. Um, And I hope everybody makes sure they take advantage of this podcast because you dropped so many gems, bro. And I definitely appreciate you for that. I appreciate that, man. I really do. I really do. And then my last question, man, is what does living life uncensored mean to you? I believe living life uncensored to me, it means to live in your truth, um, to live in your truth and understand your purpose and hold on to it as dearly as you can. Um, for me, in my particular situation, I could have taken that moment and in a sense, you know, lack of better words, tricked it off and moved to Atlanta and act like this baller type guy. But I understood in my family, because nobody has seen more than $10,000 in my family, I can take true advantage of this and put my money and allocate it correctly so that my kids' kids' kids will never be hungry again through compound interest um, and understanding holding great companies for a long period of time. So, you know, living a sense of, to me is, understanding what your purpose and legacy in life is and don't let anybody deter you from that. I love that. And it's funny you say that because one of the things I remind myself of, because the, the brain and not to get su- super scientific or esoteric, but like, you know, this being an educator, the world itself has evolved so much through technology and infrastructure and everything. But our brain fundamentally is, is fairly the same, right? It is the same. Right. And so our brain operates in from a place of, you know, just very fundamentally like fight or flight or just these basic like principles. Right. So I even think about, you know, why I have to proactively remind myself like what I'm doing or what's in front of me, because like the body's a self-preservation mechanism. So you're not people aren't lazy by default. It's like you're lazy because it's like, why would I expend unnecessary energy? Right. Why would I do these things when I don't have to? Because one day a lion might come along and I'm, I need to have that energy to, you know, to get away from it, right? But now that we're in the modern and civilized world and our challenges are much different, you know, one of the things I have to do or that I intentionally do is I remind myself of the opportunity that I'm blessed with and that I have in front of me and the obligation that's associated with that, right? It's like whenever I'll look at my, just candidly speaking, I'll write down the amount of money that I have liquid right? And I'm like, you have X amount of dollars liquid right now. It is your responsibility to be, get even better at understanding how to maximize it for the impact that it can have for you and your family and your legacy long-term. You don't have the, you don't have the privilege of sitting on your laurels because you know a decent amount of stuff now, right? No, you need to continue to become the best because what you have, if you be, continue to focus on being the best, you have the power and the leverage to change your family for generations to come. Right. And, and that's something that I remind myself of because I never want to get comfortable. I never want to say, Oh, I got 12 months of, of, of savings or 18. I never want to get comfortable. I want to flip that on his head and say, that's an opportunity. And that's it. With, with that opportunity comes an immense amount of leverage and privilege to be able to transform the life of your families. And because if you do it right, transform the lives of other people, right? I'm not sure if you saw that little story I did a few weeks ago. I came back from a trip and, you know, I took some boxes to the trash and I dumped my boxes in the trash. And uh, I saw there was like an old dresser there beside the dumpster. And I didn't think anything of it. It was like, it had nothing to do with me, right? But then the next day I saw an older gentleman kind of struggling to like break it down to throw it in the dumpster. And and what that reminded me of is I always have to work towards having a surplus so that I can always do more than I have to, right? Always Always be able to do more than I have to. And I think you do that every day in how you show up in education. So everything that you have received, uh, you are well deserving of, right? And because you, I mean, you can just show up and check a box, read the curriculum and hey, I did my job, right? But the fact that you go above and beyond, you know, that student who was on the brink of, not coming back to school, right? They stay because of you, right? And so I think it's just so important uh, to, for people to know that, that it is an obligation when you, God has sowed seeds in you to be great because there are people that because of circumstance, because of where they are in life in that moment, they don't have that privilege, right? They don't, maybe they don't even have enough to be able to take care of themselves, let alone be able to do much, do anything else for others. So when you have that privilege and that's what it is, a privilege, 
you have to honor that and maximize that so that that's how humanity can keep going. Right. If I know that my brother, if I say, Mike, you know, Hey man, I'm in the business of helping people invest and you know, the, the, the market crashed and you know, people stopped trusting financial advisors and bro, like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm good for it, but I just need a little bit of cash to get up on my feet for this new business venture in a different industry. Right. If he's doing what he's supposed to be doing, extra, extra 10,000 to get me out, off the ground to invest in my business probably ain't going to be nothing he has to blink about, right? But he's like, man, I would, but bro, I, I just got to, I barely got enough myself. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to, I'm trying to yeah, rub yeah. my together. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the importance of it. I am grateful for the fact that my friends can come to me. And if I believe in their business, I ain't going to lie. I ain't going to, I don't believe in it now. You know, so you got to show up, it's come correct. But if right, I believe right. in it, I can stroke a check, right? It's not a VC check. It's not a hundred million dollar check, but I can stroke a check, you know, say for five figures and not blink, right? That's you now great. That feels to me is because I did what I'm supposed to do and now I can pay it forward. And I know that if I ever need it, the favor can be returned, you know, because that's just the way humanity works. So not to go off on a tangent, but you know, man, thank you so much for being right. on the show um, and providing this value. I know my listeners are going to provide, uh, find a tremendous amount of uh, gems and nuggets in this and uh, keep doing what you're, you're doing, man. Uh, it's, it's making an impact. Uh, that's why I wanted to bring you on the show. And I'm excited to see where you go from here. I uh, appreciate it, man. And, and the same to you. Much blessings to you and, and to every listener listening to the show. <laughs> listen to me because I will not display my numbers. George has seen my numbers financially. If you listen to this show, he dropped so many different gems. And I know for me in 08, I was on one side of the recession. And I told myself, when anything else happens like this again, I want to make sure I'm thriving the next time. Um, so definitely make sure you tune in to this beautiful show. And George, thank you for being a great man that you are, brother. Absolutely, man. Appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in to an episode of The Uncensored Show. Take at least one thing you heard today and apply it to your life immediately so that you can become one step closer to living a more meaningful and fulfilling life and aligning your resources to what matters most to you. Remember, money is just a resource fuel your journey. The question is, what's yours?